Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Recorded live. Hey, good evening. I want to welcome everybody to uh, another episode of the Softball Zone radio show. And, uh, now, okay. Okay, now, <laughs> i tell you what, yeah. Every time I think i got to figure it out, something goes wrong. What's going, what's going on? Okay, I, I'm trying to figure out how come when I put the mute on the other phone, because, you know, we were trying to, I, well, I'm trying to set up a way that we can take other callers, right, without them having to go through the process of actually dialing, um, because when people call in the show, I mean, it is kind of lame how it's set up. I mean, and I actually sent an email to talk to you and asked them if there was any way we could actually rectify that is that when people want to participate or call in the show or just want to do some Q&A, Q you know, you have to call the 724 number, then the 444-7444, you call that number, then you got to enter your show ID 35639, and then you got to either hit one or, uh, like, I just got done trying to do it just to imitate what a listener or a caller would have to do, and I had to do it twice just to get through. Um and um, so anyway, and then when I went to use my other phone's number, it actually belongs to whoever this Alex is. I have no idea who that person is. That name doesn't even ring a bell to me. So hmm. I, have no, I have no clue who that person is. But that line, for some reason, when I was talking on this phone, uh, even though I had this phone muted, I was getting feedback through it, which I shouldn't get no sound um. if I got it muted. So... That's another technical problem I'm going to have to fix. So, but anyway, you know, hey, glad to see you hanging around this week, Jeff. what are you? I, I see you guys are actually talking on the chat board something about the Cleveland Indians. Yeah, I was watching the uh, the Indians game tonight, and in the first inning, the uh, Carlos Carrasco, who's a really good pitcher for the Indians, uh, pitched a ball to the second batter, and and uh, he hit it back right at him, and it kind of glanced off his fingertips, and it went right into his uh, left jaw. And uh, he went down He went down in a heap and uh, was down for a while. And they, they eventually carted him off the field. Um, he was holding his jaw. You could tell he was in a lot of pain. Didn't see any blood or anything, but, man, he took a, he took a shot. <laughs> Being an Indians fan is kind of tough right now because uh, – their catcher, uh, Jan Gomes, he got he was had a play at the plate a couple of days ago and uh, forced somebody out at the plate, but the guy slid into his foot and and knocked his leg out from underneath him, and he's got a, a knee sprain. He's going to be out eight weeks. And Michael Brantley, who is their best hitter, he he's got some back problems right now. So they're the start of the season. They're having all kinds of injuries all, all of a sudden. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not really. I mean, I actually the end of my week is a big week this week because I'll be going down, be at the corporate headquarters, like the end of the week, 
Uh, I've kind of learned now because I, I had a choice where I could fly or drive, and I decided to drive because I kind of enjoyed driving down to some of that part of the country, and you know, when, especially when you return because it's kind of more leisure and stuff like that. But you know, I'm kind of like now I'm starting to think maybe I should have just flew down this, you know what I'm saying, instead of actually driving down or just. But you know, we got the. Uh, I'll end up my work week at the at town Knoxville this week, but. I'll tell you something, Jeff. I, I don't know. You know, um, I, I was driving today, and I went through one of these traffic circles, and I was thinking to myself, like, I'd like to really know where these things came from. Because, roundabouts? Yeah, Round- yeah, I mean. I love, yeah, I love roundabouts. Oh, my gosh. Well, let me, let, let me tell you. I'm going to tell you right now. And actually, there's two issues I'm going to bring up about this roundabout, okay? I call it the traffic circle, okay? I I can't really understand why they actually have one where they have it. It, it doesn't really matter because I'm basically going to say traffic circles are just nothing but an accident waiting to happen. So, you know, I pull up, and it's very obvious, unless you're going to shoot out there right in front of somebody, you're not getting in the circle because – what would end up happening, people coming from one direction, they would go ahead and speed up just to make sure you couldn't get out. And then people were trying to feed in on the other side of the circle. They would go ahead and act like they were in the, the right lane because they didn't want anyone to pull out in front to slow them down. Then they need to turn off the lane ahead. So they would actually drop out on you. So I'm like, I'm not, I don't know, Jeff, you're a big fan of traffic circles or you call it a roundabout. I mean, I think, I think about, what yeah. I mean. You know, it depends. I've seen different ones. They build them different ways. If they have a lot of space out there and you got some room to merge, it's, it's, I think it's a good thing. But I've seen some of them where it's like the lanes are kind of re- are restricted and it's, the circle's not as big and there has to be enough space for them. But I, I think it's, I don't know, um, I, I generally like them. And if you ever go to, to Europe, they got a ton of them over there. But uh, it took me a while to get used to it, but now that I, now that I am, I, I like them. Yeah, that, that was actually that's what I was going to that's actually what I was going to bring up next was that I've actually been places in the world where they'll have a roundabout to like one single lane to another roundabout to another single lane to a roundabout like three roundabouts within say a couple hundred yards of each another you know like dividing one roundabout from each another and. You know, it always amazed me that there wasn't accidents all over the place when I would see them. I just was like, <laughs> why ain't people wrecking all the time, you know, uh, in them? So I, I was thinking that today. And then I kind of, then I started, I started paying attention to the people and their driving, okay? And, like, I started looking at who was driving, women, men, older, older, uh, older people, younger people. And let me tell you right now. If you ever think you're going to get ahead of another male on the road, you can forget it because it's like I think it's something in the men have to do. It's like a race thing. You know, it's like, oh, I can't dare let him in front of me like he wins. It's like some kind of competition or something between guys. Now, actually, the reason, the reason I even got in the roundabout, okay, in the traffic circle, is because some girl actually let me out. She must have felt sorry for her this old man, because he actually led me into the roundabout. 
And then once I got in it, I didn't really know what to do because I'd never been in that roundabout before. So I'm like, you know, and I don't use GPS or anything uh, like that, you know, which actually is a whole other topic. But I thought it was interesting that all the whole time I was trying to get in there, that every guy that was in there would speed up, try to fool you into believing he was getting out so you wouldn't impede his way. And then... It seemed like most of the women that were actually in a the circle, they actually would kind of slow down. It took me a while to catch on. But, of course, you know, like I'm sitting there thinking about this. Oh, this would be good discussion for the radio show. I'm sucking around about. Let me study this for a while see what interesting things happen. That's pretty bad, ain't it, Jeff? <laughs> <laughs> just, just trying to figure out what. But, you know, that, that was what, that's what ended up happening. I mean, I, I come to the solution, guys. Don't like guys to get ahead of them, and girls are perfectly fine being nice. <laughs> and you know, and with women and girls, I don't think it's all about winning. We might be able to take something away from that. Maybe it's not all about winning. Where guys, it's all about winning. You know, it's winning or nothing. So, but anyway, you know, I, I just thought that was kind of interesting. And then to top it off today, the the something I I didn't think I would ever see ever today. Uh, it just confirms how guys are. Is there was a guy driving a little white car, and he stopped. It, he stopped the same place I stopped. I got in my car, okay, and it was a rest area. And I, I just, you know, you naturally see people walking around. You just see them. And then I went back, got in the car, and then I followed him off the ramp. There was a silhouette image of him on the back of his window of his car that said, Rules Perfect Man. <laughs> now, I'm telling you what, I almost had to pull over because I cracked up laughing. I thought after, okay, I was in the circle thing, you know, I kind of got jacked around pretty bad there. Now I see this, I'm just like, okay, that, that's it for today. That's just way too much stuff. So, but anyway, you know, we got a lot of interesting topics uh, that we're going to talk about tonight. And, um, I know that right, you know, right now during this time of the year, we're going to be kind of slow on the show and the forum. I mean, we've talked about this, I think, actually last week, that during this high school season, and uh, it's traditionally is the slowest time of the forum. It always has been. I, I will say, though, before the crash, like last year um, during high school season, this forum was actually pretty busy, but that's because we had a lot of high school information up, and there was uh, – a lot of people that were involved in high school just putting a lot of information up about high school. So, I, but it wasn't really that much more than it was this year. So the numbers are kind of down. We're a little slower and stuff like that. So, but anyway, so Jeff, have you done anything exciting for the last week? What you been up to? Anybody irritate you in any way? <laughs> uh, no, nothing, nothing too much. I, uh, Last weekend, um, I was helped out at, uh, you know, my daughter coaches at uh, Tri-C Community College. I ran a scoreboard and, and uh, uh, announced the games and everything. I actually had a few compliments. And I told them I was, I was practicing. I was telling them about the, the softball zone radio show and about the, the championship games. And uh, I, was need, I was needing to get practice for that. So, um Anyhow, I, it was it was a beautiful weekend, so it was nice to get to see you know two games Saturday, two games Sunday, and and uh, really uh, really enjoyed being out. Guys, you got a little got a little sunburn. It was it was, it was cool on Saturday. Um, 
but in a, unfortunately, I've lost a bit of hair over the years, and uh, I did not wear a hat, so I got a little bit of a sunburn on on Saturday, and decided Sunday I better wear a hat. But uh, definitely, uh, definitely, really enjoyed that. Yeah, I mean, me personally, I mean, honestly, you know, I've been like really working on a lot of stuff, and right now I, I've been trying to. Um, well, I, real quick, I just want to make a comment here, real quick. Um, about one of the, uh, in the chat board, someone actually mentioned because of the few games we've gotten in because of rain. I'm so, I'm going to just say right now, I'm so happy we're having good weather because it seems like everybody's starting to get their games in. And that's fantastic for the weather we've been putting up with. I mean, that's great that we actually are starting to see some games get in now. So, okay, you I, know. Have I have one other, one other story I was going to share, one other thing that happened. Um, since, especially since there's so few people on the show right now, but uh, I turned uh, I turned 60 on last uh, Thursday, and um, my girlfriend had uh, told me we were going to go out to dinner on Friday and nicer restaurant in the uh, in the Cleveland area, and my daughter and her boyfriend were going to meet us there, and so I thought, oh, that'll be you know that'll be nice, and um, you know didn't think too much about it or anything, and got into the restaurant. They kind of took us a roundabout way and walked into this. Uh, they had like a separate room set up. And there in the room was not only uh, not only uh, my uh, my daughter, but uh, my son from Orlando and his girlfriend, my my son from uh, uh, from New York City and his friend, uh, my, my son and his wife and the two grandchildren, my brother and his wife. And they all surprised me here. And we had a had a really nice time. I was really, uh, um, really made me happy. I was, I was glad. To, it's funny because all my, all my kids, you know, uh, well, two of my kids again are out of state, and my daughter I talk to about every other day or so. But um, you know, everybody called me on my birthday and wished me happy birthday. And of course, the ones that were from out of state, I said, "So when are you coming home next?" And oh, I'm not really sure. You know, maybe on August and. The one said, another one said, maybe sometime midsummer. And <laughs> you know, I got there and I said, I said, you told me you weren't coming until midsummer. He goes, I was actually at the airport on my way here when you asked me that. <laughs> so, so anyhow, we so had he, a really nice, uh, really nice get together. So basically, Jeff, you had your pretty much your whole, all your uh, kids were there, huh? Yes, yeah, all, all four of them were there, and, and their families and. Um, again, my brother and his wife, and, and uh, yeah, everybody was there. We had about uh, it was about twenty of us all together. Right. Well, that that's fantastic. Uh, you know, now everybody knows we have different uh, people that are on the show. Uh, we have some regulars that are on here. Crystal, um, who's on here on a regular basis, um, has been a little bit under the weather, so she's she may be on tonight. She may not. I know that Joe. I don't know if Jay's going to be on tonight. I know he had a game tonight, but both the games are over. He won both of them. So I'm really glad they won both of them games. Uh, they, um, I actually sent him an email and uh, told him how about getting a couple wins. And uh, I know he was playing Finley today. And uh, he never did respond for me. I, I think sometimes Joe doesn't know what I really mean when I say because he actually had a couple of losses there, and I was kind of like, hey, come on, how about giving us a couple of wins, Joe? <laughs> so, but I was glad to see him get a couple of wins. They're playing 500 ball, um, which ain't bad. And, of course, anybody that doesn't know who Joe Abrams is, he's a 
college coach at Hillsdale. Uh, he's the college coach at Hillsdale College uh, in Michigan, and uh, he's a re- very regular on the show. In fact, I always love it when Jay's on it. I always have a lot of fun with Joe, and a lot of listeners enjoy it uh, when Jay's on too. And um, but anyway, one of the things I did want to talk about tonight. Um, at the Johnswell Memorial Tournament every year, uh, and I'm almost sure ever since they've started this tournament, um, they have a award that they present every year called the Award of Distinction. And the Award of Distinction is awarded um, for somebody that has helped advance the game of softball, promotes softball, basically, you know, did the uh, ordin- uh, well, how do I want to say it? have done more than what most people uh, would think uh, you could actually do to help promote the game of softball. Um, I, re- I guess I really don't have a good way to explain how <laughs> how it works, but basically it, the word of distinction um, is given out every year, and this year uh, Martin Rain uh, was the recipient of it, and he'll be given the award um, June the 5th, uh, Friday, they'll have an induction ceremony will take place at 6.15 at uh, Riverside Park in Zanesville, Ohio. Now, if anybody doesn't know who this, who uh, Martin is, Martin actually goes by Fast to Home uh, on the forum. And if you want to send him an email and give him a congratulations at fast2homes at yahoo.com, I'm sure he would appreciate it. But anyway, uh, Martin uh, began coaching his daughter in rec ball in the 90s. He served as president of the August Softball Association and Tri-County Softball Association, the East Suburban Girls Softball Association, Association and the SDS League. He has served on board directors for the SDS Magic, and uh, anyone that's been involved in softball for any amount of time knows who the Magic is and the Fast Wizards. He is currently a trustee and program director of the, the Wizards. He designed and built the largest indoor softball facility in Northwest Ohio, and it has it open to to all organizations in the winter, which is pretty unique when you think about it because, you know, most of the time you hear like somebody has their own uh, building and stuff. It's not open for anybody. It's only open to their organization. So Martin has offered n- numerous clinics, brings in a lot of well-known speakers, and uh, to help in the process of educating coaches. Wizards Softball Organization has between 18 and 20 travel teams each summer. Martin has been an ASA District 1 commissioner since 2006. So hats off to Martin for winning that award. And uh, I don't know, have you ever heard of that award before, uh, Jeff, uh, before I sent you the information not, about that? That's not, what's the one that you won? It's not the same one you won, is it? Right. Well, yeah, I won it back like in 2011. Actually, I was shocked when I won it because – I didn't realize I got nominated for it. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah no, so. I, I, I knew a little bit from when you and I had talked about it, and, and uh, you know, it sounds like it's a real, you know, distinction in that. I I had a chance to to meet to meet uh, Martin a couple of times. Um, you know, he's out of, out of the Toledo area, and uh, he's you know ran a bunch of tournaments up there. Um, I think I originally met him on the forum, and he was actually coordinating a showcase at, at Bowling Green, which was is my alma mater. And when my daughter was in high school, um, you know, took her there for, uh, I think it was like, might have been like Martin Luther King Day or something like that. And we went out there and, and participated in the, uh, in the indoor facility they had there. Martin organized that. 
uh, had, had a lot of girls from his organization, and I, I think it was basically they were kind of doing it in conjunction with his organization, but then he opened it up to other people to, to fill in some of the different teams that played in that. So, And then he also um, – what do you, I'm trying to think those balls that, uh, those, what do you call those spongy, hard, you know, rubber balls that, that they use for batting practice? Um, right, yeah, you know. you're talking about they're like kind of like a, I, I used to call them safety balls, but they're like, they got like a nerfy feel to them or like, we used to have like, we had two types of uh, practice balls we used. We used one that was like a really hard, foamy yellow. It was kind of hard. But it was still foamy, so if it hit you, chances were you weren't going to get injured from it. And then they had ones that were like just kind of a yellow that were a little bit tougher ball that you probably didn't want to be. And they called it a safety ball. I actually think I'd have been rather been hit by a real softball. But why do you bring that up, Jeff? Well, that he um, well he he's for selling those. I think he was kind of a maybe a distributor for those. Um, he was a distributor for those and and. Uh, Actually, my daughter, when she was helping out uh, at a facility, she was kind of their their um, uh, ran it ran some different clinics and and was doing lessons and everything for for one of the facilities up here in the Cleveland area. And she she wanted to get her some of those balls, and and I knew that um, Martin had advertised it, so I contacted him and he gave her gave her a real good price on it. Uh, but um, um, God, I can't think of the name. It's not. There's different kinds here, and I've just drawn a blank, but uh, they just have grown in yeah. popularity in the last six, seven years, uh, this, this right. particular one. Though, though I, so some people now are saying that they that they they do, um, they're kind of hard on the bats, so I think if you use them a lot. So, TCB. Yeah, I mean, the, TCB what are they called? TCB. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah thanks, uh, thanks yeah. Andrew. <laughs> yeah, I, I've heard of them balls now. Uh, you know, I was always a big – I know it's not a softball, but I always used, like to use tennis balls when we were really working on hard hits or, you know, line drives or, you know, placement of glove on shots down third base. I mean, you know, different scenarios, I like to use them because I felt more comfortable throwing them at the girls, you know, like X amount, you know, X miles an hour uh, without fear and I would hurt them too bad if they – Got it. I mean, you know, how many times have you been coaching and been working with the girls and you just, like, you know, you hit the ball or you throw the ball and, you know, it, it hits a, a girl in the wrong way or hits her in the, in the lip or something. You just be like, oh, my gosh, I really, I can't believe I just done that. Well, I've got, I've got hit by a few back at me, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that happens, uh, you know, over time. Now, also, uh, talk about the Award of Distinction Award, which I don't know a lot of tournaments that actually give out awards. Um, Lynn Brooks, um, he's been a, a big staple in softball for a long time. He was also nominated. And, um, you know, he has actually done a lot himself. And, uh, you know, but I just wanted to put his name out there because, you know, I know he's been involved with softball for quite a while himself, too. So, and... Um, but anyway, you know, I, I think it's really cool that uh, he does that. And if you guys, if, if people pay attention, a lot of Rick Sherman's and Roadrunner tournaments are all named after. In fact, that's one of the things I told him when I won the award. I don't really know if I won it or not because I noticed, like, when you win the award within two years, you die. I didn't know if I 
<laughs> you know, I kind of joked with Frank about that. I said, I don't know if that's really that good of a award to win or not, you know. But, of course, um, you know, he, all his tournaments are named after somebody that was really involved in softball. Um, you know, uh, of course, John Wells is an outstanding pitcher coach from this area. Uh, coached many of the great pitchers from uh, Muskegon College. And, um, you know, he, his term, and of course, he has a tournament with Donna, named after Donna Newberry. And uh, now the one down in Willings named after Ben Taylor. He always, you know, once he has a tournament, he names them after somebody, which I think is kind of unique. You don't see that very often going on anymore. So, but anyway, uh, you know, <laughs> move on from there. Now, I tell you what, Jeff, is I, I kind of was like, Looking back at this, you know, we've talked about what, you know, PDF uh, perspective on ASA Junior Cup Olympics, you know, what's going on with them. And we've talked about that before. Well, the other day someone actually brought up the, you know, the teams are on there, and I actually went and looked. And I was actually at first kind of surprised. I actually seen one of the outlaw teams in it. But then again, uh, you know, after I started thinking about it a little bit more, uh, I started really thinking. I said, well, actually, wouldn't that be fantastic if a team from Ohio actually went out there and won that? And, of course, I, I don't even know from what I've actually have heard through the grapevine that that tournament's going no matter what happens. They're going to have that tournament. So, uh, you know, I mean, and well, I know we talked about the monetary thing and all that and stuff before, but the only thing I, I want to bring up is if ASA is actually can pull this off this year, yeah, you know, does that mean our sanctioning bodies are going to start going to uh, having tournaments where they start to reward you money? I mean, you know, uh, uh, Tim Cleaver, uh, Quaker man, I mean, he was doing that way before, you know, any of this stuff come out. And he had actually done a couple couple years in a row. And, um, and um, he was, a, he, yeah. was a, he was a man a man before his time, huh? Well, I think he was a little bit ahead of his time on, you know, that <laughs> thinking. But he actually asked me what I thought about it. I said, you know, I think I, – I told him, I said, you know, honestly, I thought it was a good idea. I, I didn't see any reason why you couldn't have a tournament and basically sponsor the winner or second place for maybe next year or do something that way. I, I didn't see – as long as the money wasn't getting funneled back to the girls, I, I didn't really see – where is the issue? But when I start thinking about this today, I mean, you just think about it for a moment. And, and I will ask you some questions because I know you read about it too. Do we, are any certain teams allowed to play in that? Did the ASA actually just select, hey, this is a group of teams allowed to play in and nobody else? You know, I'm not sure. It seems like it's been supposedly they invited, they said over 60 teams. Now, I don't know if over 60 means like 61 or like. 360 or exactly how many they invited. Um, but, you know, and, and we knew that there was a lot of this conflicts with the, uh, it conflicts with the, um, uh, the, the PGF tournament. So you can't really do both of them. Um, so we know a lot of teams that were invited turned her down, but we don't really know any numbers other than that. As of now, they've got 24 that are in. Uh, whether those were on the original 60-plus or not is a question. Uh, but they also mentioned in that article that they might have as many as eight more. And in the original 
posting that they had, they did say they had, remember they had prize money for, you know, if they have 24 teams or if they have 32 teams, here's how the prize money was going to be divided up. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious to hear more about it. I don't know if, uh, interesting if we get get the outlaws to talk about it, maybe if they want to tell us any details, but, um, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm curious at this point. I think some people really question whether it was going to come off or not. Um, but it, like you're right, I think it looks like it is going to. Well, I, I actually heard it from a pretty good source that that term is going down. No matter what, that term is going down, and it will be played, and they're going to have the prize money. So now with me hearing that information and feeling pretty comfortable that it's pretty solid, uh, you know, I'm not afraid to go out on a limb and say they are going to do it. There, there's no doubt in my mind now that they're going to do it no matter what. It's, it's going to be a done deal now. What I was kind of wondering, because I was thinking about it, you know, just thinking in my own mind, you know, it really wouldn't be that tough. You know, of course, you got to be invited. According to what I understand, you have to be invited. Now, with that being said, but, you know, really, it wouldn't be that hard. I mean, if you knew you had an outstanding team that was a really tough team, how hard would it be to get the parents' cough at $500 a piece, you know, on a legitimate team that has a limited shot, especially if they decide to pay 12 spots, you know? Um, of course, you don't know if the format might change. You know what I'm saying? Will the format right. somehow change? And... So, but I, I was thinking, you know, it really wouldn't be hard to raise that money to get the entry fee. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, I, I think most parents that think their kids are that good, which brings up a whole other debate, like, could you just imagine how, I was thinking what, about this. What well, can you, go ahead. Go ahead. Just imagine if you had tryouts. And you told everybody, okay, the fee for this year is $1,000, but you got to give us $500 each on this date for one tournament. How many of the people that's actually your tryout do you think might leave? I mean, I'm just talking a, a tryout in general that you want to put together a team together. Honestly, all the people that know their kids are like fantastic players, the greatest players, whatever, they'd probably be running off, wouldn't they? Well, here's another question. So if you're going to have prize money like that, you know, could a team go out and and, uh, and get a sponsor? Uh, and, you know, so, you know, whoever is one of those Texas Sudden Impact or whoever is one of the favorite teams there, you know, they could maybe find a sponsor and then give them a return on their money. If they win it, you know, we'll, we'll, pay, we'll you know, we'll, we'll double your money back. I'm sure that's not legal, but what's, what would be there to stop that from happening, right? So I'm, yeah, I'm a little, you know, I got some extra money. Maybe I got a, you know, you know, granddaughter or somebody on the team, and it's like, hey, I'll put up the, I'll put up the five thousand for the team. But if you guys win, I want ten thousand back. And before long, you know what, Jeff, you and me and five other people go together to syndicate a team. We'll just go to syndicate. <laughs> we'll, we'll all pitch in our money and syndicate it, and, and we'll have a piece of about three or four teams to make sure we come away winning. Right. <laughs> I mean, go. really, I, I mean, I was thinking about this. And, you know, it, it's it's kind of really hard to go more in-depth about this period. But 
I'm listening to what I'm kind of joking about because I think what you're going to do is you're going to open up the door here for, I think it could either be really good for softball or really bad. I, I just really haven't, you know, I'm kind of in the middle now, going down the road, you know, and all of a sudden there's that dang circle, traffic circle ahead of me. I just don't know where I want to jump off on this thing. I, I mean, honestly, I mean, when you think about it, I'll be honest. If if somebody had a really great team and come to me and say, hey, you know, we want to go, would you be willing to put the money up? Well, you know, if I got a chance to look at their track record and their stats and stuff, I might be willing to do that. You know, I've owned racehorses before. They ain't no different than owning racehorses, right? You got the idea is to win. So I'm I'm still on the same page as I am, you know, when we first talked about this, you know, probably about two months ago. I I, I just don't think it's right. I don't think, you know, that that uh, you know, money should be there should be prize money on, on amateur sports like this. You know, there was some concern about the impact on eligibility, and I do see I did see in that last post that they've got, you know, they've talked to the NCAA about it. Um, but I'm still I still have some concerns maybe about some of the state federations and things like that, whether there might be any issues, but I, you know, I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're figuring it out, but I just, I just don't think it's right, Ricky. I just don't, I mean, it just extend, you know, forget softball for a second and just start thinking about other youth sports. I mean, you know, where does it stop? You know, you would start doing that for AAU basketball teams and, Cheerleading competitions. I mean, where you know, where 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 does it stop? I you know, I just I just think it's a it's a slippery slope there and dangerous and and I just don't I just don't think it's right. And you know, we talked before about you know if there's really money on that kind of money on the line, you know, what's going to happen with some crazy parents and and you know pressure on umpires potentially. I just I don't know. I just I. Maybe I'm old-fashioned, but I have a, I have an issue with it. Yeah, I mean, when you just think what happens at the amateur level, just at a regular tournament, it's, you're just planning to go to a regional, right, like a regional tournament at the end of the year, mm-hmm. like, you know, and you're planning to go there. I mean, look at what we've seen happen at it without any money being online. I mean, we've had teams actually have to pull out of 18 our states um, two years ago, because they were threatened, the other team was threatened, and they were afraid for bodily harm, so they had to pull themselves out of the tournament lead. That was for no money. That was just for a chance to go to regional. So, you know, if you have stuff like that happen for nothing, I, I, you know, I agree with you, Jeff. I think there's a big issue with this. But, you know, I'm kind of one of them guys that always kind of like to say, well, you know, I need to, like, really see everything and know how it works. I mean, and I kind of understand you're kind of taking more of a firm footing, like, you know, you just really don't believe that this should be, be going on at the amateur level. And the thing I see, you know, what here here's kind of what I see envisioning happening. ASA pulls this off this year, okay? You don't think that next year NSA, U-Triple-SA, Crown Sports, you don't all think all of them are going to be looking at something like that to do next year? Well, maybe. I mean, some of them might have more more wherewithal to do it. But you know, somebody like NSA or UTSA, if they wanted to, you know, they would have reason to be kind of desperate, so to speak, to to reclaim, you know, their their spot in the sport. So yeah, maybe they maybe they would. I mean, listen, 
if I'm sitting if I'm sitting back there in the president's chair of U Triple S A and I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, see, they're paying a hundred thousand dollars. They're offering up a hundred thousand dollars. We're going to pay two hundred fifty thousand, right? <laughs> now, well, I'm just saying, yeah. I'll tell you, yeah. I do believe that's what will happen. I believe you you end up having sanctioning organizations and bodies are going to come up with bigger prizes and pools, and it's going to be a thing about money. Now that's when, see, I'm out, I'm all on board with you, Jeff. I think that's when it would get crazy and out of hand because mm-hmm. when you start talking money, okay, what you end up doing before long, you're going to have or some organizations are going to get in cheaper than other ones because they're make because they know they're going to probably do good and they'll just take it away from them at the end if they do good. Yeah, there'll be all kinds of shady deals being going on. Teams will be coming in, and I'll tell you what, I, I don't know how you could ever keep everything legit. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, I mean, I, I don't see a so because I was thinking if I want to put together the best team I could put together to go play in that. You know what would I do? And I, I would just start following around lasers, outlaws, uh, maybe stingrays. I would start cherry picking. You know, and that's actually what I wanted to do. But you know, to me, I, I'm kind of like I, I, I do agree. I think if the end result's bad, but it's kind of interesting to see the road and the path they're taking and what they're doing now. I, I still. Not 100% sure if it's actually ASA's effort to affect the PGF. And, but since they're having it in California, they're having it so close, it almost is like, yeah, that, this is exactly what they're trying to do. Yeah, I think see, so. I, I, see, I actually have an issue with that. I think that, excuse me, instead of just having a tournament or nationals there, what they're going to do is basically say, hey, we're going to... And, and I think they really thought everyone would jump ship. I really do. And I do have an issue with that because to me that's kind of like ASA decide, well, you know what, we're just going to offer a bunch of money and see what happens. And, I mean, personally, I mean, I I, I kind of understand why they might have done that. I thought it was a bad move. So, But I guess we're going to find out how this plays out as things go along. So, I mean... Yep. I definitely will tell you one thing. If the Ohio team actually plays in it, I want them to win it. I can tell you that right now. Sure, yeah. Heck yeah. I mean, I, there's no doubt I will, I, will, I will root for that team and pull for them all the way. And if there's two Ohio teams, I hope they play for first and second. I mean, that's <laughs> how I'm going to get. So, but anyway. You know, Jeff, uh, um, I, I noticed today I was actually – I actually had a chance to get on the phone a little bit. I actually got jammed up in the meeting. I call, I, I know I call it jammed up. And, you know, a lot of people I talk to, they'll call me and they'll say – I told them I got jammed up. And whenever I tell me, I, I sometimes didn't realize I'm going to get jammed into something, and it just happens. So when I tell people, when I know it's interesting, because I wanted to try to talk to you a little bit today and never had a chance to on the phone because I got jammed up in the meeting. And it seems like it happens – it happens more often than what I like um, for it to happen, but it does happen. So I, I noticed today I was kind of looking at the forum, and one of the the, the posts I seen that I thought was kind of interesting, and, and I'm just going to throw this out there for our listeners, and maybe you get a chance to get to go to softball's in forum and read um, softball dads, which one are you? Now, 
<laughs> I, I kind of read through it a little bit. Did you get a chance to read that thread at all, Jeff? Or I did. I did that, and I was uh, I was clearly a number a number eight. <laughs> yeah, the picture. The picture's dead. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and I know there's some people that listen to our show that may not visit the forum. You may hear the show for the first time, and um, but I just thought it was kind of interesting. So. Since Jeff said he was the number eight pitcher died, I'm just going to do one. I'm not going to do more than one, but I do do one. Since, uh, since you picked one, I'm going to go ahead and stick it out there. But anyway, basically what happened, a person that uses form actually quite often, um, posts quite a bit of posts, um, seen a comical post going around the Internet describing all the different types of soccer moms there was. So he thought in lighthearted fun, he would pick fun, uh, everyone, you know, and kind of like do it on the softball thing, which was kind of cool. Um, but, you know, but, of course, he's like, wait, we thought, because a lot of people don't really post stuff about soccer on the side. It's a long history thing about, you know, the word soccer is a bad word or something. And, you know, I've always kind of played along with that, you know, that whole thing. And um, But the softball dads are just, that's predictable and funny. And no matter what weekend of the month, you but no doubt you find a few of the same dads characters at the ballpark. A softball mom if softball moms can be characterized, then we believe softball dads can too. So anyway, so Jeff said he is like the pitcher's dad. So Jeff, what what does the pitcher dad? What is he like anyway? Well, so this is this is pretty accurate, I think. The pitcher's dad. You know his daughter is a pitcher when you see him biting his nails pacing around the field, walking from home plate to right field and back again, fiddling with his hat quietly, and then, bam, out of nowhere, he yells, good pitch, or woo-hoo, then goes right back to a silent, nervous pacing. He tries to remain both invisible while his daughter pitches and encouraging because chances are he spent a lot of time on a bucket helping her learn and feels emotionally invested in her performance. That's that's me pretty much dead nuts on when, when my daughter was playing. <laughs> You know, and the thing about that is, I mean, you know, since your daughter was a pitcher and, of course, you know, you did coach, when, did you find it very hard to keep your mouth shut? I mean, it was, it, was it hard or did you actually understand that maybe, because I know um, some daughters need a little bit of emotional encouragement and other daughters are just the opposite. In fact, the more encouragement you give them, the worse they usually get. You know, when she first started out, my yeah, my daughter didn't didn't play any fast pitch until she was thirteen. So, you know, she started, you know, pitching, tried to pitch right from the beginning. And so I was very in, encouraging and everything of her, and I was very patient. And I think she was impatient. And then as she worked more and more, I think there was a kind of a period of time there, and probably in kind of her difficult years, you know, that fifteen about fifteen year old level where. Yeah, I think we would get frustrated with each other, but I think we both kind of matured through that. And certainly, you know, as she went on and 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 you know pitched in college and that, I, I you know I think I I knew my place and and I knew how much it you know meant to her. And we could kind of just look across the field at each other and knew exactly what each other was thinking. And and um, you know uh, I I did try to keep my keep my mouth shut. And, and but I boy I was nervous as heck. I you know I would. You know, she pitched, you know, if and say the first game of the doubleheader, let's say she wasn't pitching that game, I'd I'd be sitting in the stands and enjoying the game and then second game she'd pitch and 
and I start pacing, and I just I could not sit down. Um, and I was just, you know, thinking about what, you know, what pitch she should throw next and what pitch she wanted to throw next. And, and, uh, you know, uh, but, you know, just really proud of her. And, and, uh, um, I think I balanced it pretty well in terms of, uh, not, uh, not bragging too much about her or anything like that. They're, you know, or putting or trying to put any more pressure on her than, she already had. I was very fortunate to have a, a really, really good relationship with my daughter, and and uh, and she knew that I, how supportive I was and everything. So for the most part, uh, you know, it, it went well, and and uh, we didn't really have issues with that or issues with uh, coaches. I, we've got there's one funny story um, when uh, uh, she was coaching. She was playing the one year when she was 17. She was playing in, playing for. Tony Sabelli was uh, a great guy, a uh, really good coach. He's a coach with the, uh, he actually coaches the, uh, uh, one of the bandits teams now. And, um, uh, anyhow, and, and, and I ended up, we both, she and I ended up coaching with him later, but the one year he had a tendency to, um, well, to take pictures out at times when I think, um, and especially there's maybe at this period of time where uh, he would, he would take her out a little quicker, I think, than, than, you know, that kind of, there's that shaky balance with confidence and everything. And I had talked to him about it on the side. And, and one time he went out to get her and that, he, he was probably right to do so, but I was like, no, <laughs> he still, he still exaggerates that story a little bit, but, but he was right. Uh, that one particular time he kind of, caught me and he was probably doing the right thing but but uh um uh, anyhow i think for the most part i i kept my mouth shut and she and i could talk about the games later and and uh but we you know didn't let the coaches you know know that we disagree with them and she was that was really proud of her because she uh she she was kind of for the most part i mean she kept her head in the game and you know whether she was having a good day or a bad day she she kept an even keel and everything, so um, I, she she did well. Yeah, you know something, Jeff. And I say, when when I coach, I had a, one of our pitchers that pitched for us who didn't really, you know, I, I don't know if it really was her or her father, right? That they didn't agree with what I thought should be going on, and once they proved to me that they actually knew enough about the game and to understand all the game key situations, I had no problems with, you know, him assisting or letting us know what we should do. Or even if he wanted to call pitches, I had no trouble. Because, like I said, once they showed me they knew what they were doing, uh, I was fine with it. And I think sometimes that happens to coaches. You know, you um, want things done a certain way or, you know, you want this done in this situation or, you know, with the, based on the score and the batting lineup and stuff, and you know, so I, even though I had, you know, I know she disagreed with the pitches we would want called and stuff, but after a little while, so I think some coaches, you know, they kind of let that stuff slide, especially if the girl's getting the job done. And I, I guess in this case, you should say the father is. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, you know, I I'll have to go through them a little bit better to see which one I was because. I was always such a laid-back father. I never got too excited. Um, only if I was pushed did I get excited. I usually took something to 
to push me into excitement, but usually I was pretty laid back and calm. So anyway, well, we're going to go ahead and and we're going to be talking about some things here, everybody. And what we're going to do, we're going to we're going to kind of talk about a few things. And what we're going to do is we're going to kind of look at ways to maybe help protect you. I, I don't know. I was trying to think of a good name for this segment. And, you know, and the only good name I could come up with is uh, take me out to the ball game, but don't take me out to the cleaners. So that's the only thing I can come up with. Because what we're going to talk about here for a while is, and it's mostly almost all Little League uh, and Youth League organizations, is about people embezzling, embezzling funds from Little Leagues. Now, I'm just going to use one example back in 2010 there was a woman that uh, embezzled about $32,800 from a a mouth. Like about a, they had like 300-something players in their little league organization. It was girls softball and boys baseball. Now, she was able to embezzle, like I said, about $32,000. Now, yeah, that seems like a lot of money, but, you know, that ain't nothing. So, Jeff, let me ask you a question. Uh, Because, you know, just to let everybody know, you actually – that's what you kind of do. You're like, you don't embezzle, of course. But you embezzle? <laughs> you actually are. You are a CPA. You're actually a CPA. I, I really never asked I you am. that. Before. Yeah, I, well, I have a CPA certification. I, I passed the test many years ago. I, I never actually uh, practiced as a, as a public accounting person. I always worked for manufacturing companies. I did spend a lot of time in and auditing and looking at controls and and things like that. So, you know, I do think that there's that there's some things that you know that 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 do things happen. Um and the, the opportunity is there, you know, and actually people that can be overall really good people that you would never expect end up uh getting having money pressures and, and they're in a situation where they can do it. And they can rationalize doing it, and um, <laughs> Andrew and Jeff's a crook. Um, they can't, they can do it, and 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 they again they rationalize doing it. They maybe they're going to borrow a little money or whatever, just so they can pay it back. And all of a sudden things get deeper, and then maybe they rationalize that you know, all the work they do, and then all of a sudden they're in deep, and there's no controls in the organization, and you know, I think it's really important that organizations have, you know, controls in place to 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 really uh, not necessarily you can't maybe stop at 100%, uh, especially if people are in cahoots with each other. Uh, but you get you got to have more than one person involved, and anytime you've got one person involved, you put your you put you know that person in a situation where again it, it could happen. Oh uh, yeah, we actually had that actually happen here in our area that someone had stolen. Uh, it really wasn't a, a lot of money. It was only like I think about eight thousand dollars. And I say that's not a lot, but the whole thing about it was it almost caused that whole Euclid organization to fall apart because their yearly payment was due on the land, and mm-hmm. they didn't have the money. So they actually had to go out and raise the money in order to do it. So what happened, of course, you know, when people found out, you know, uh, found out about people that I know and some other people started having fundraisers and they started putting in the newspaper on the news, 
about the fact that they had had the money come up missing. By the time they were done, they actually was able to buy all the land. So it turned out, even though it was a bad day for them when that happened, when it was all said and done, they were in a lot better situation than they were before as far as having the land and, you know, having everything was theirs now. But the bad side of that, even though every, they had everything now paid for, the once the organization's name had been tainted with that issue, the kids signing up started falling off. And over time, it just kept getting little or smaller. Then the girls were gone. They had no more girls playing. Then they just had younger boys playing. And it got smaller and smaller to the point to where, you know, it's it's not really what it used to be. And that directly relates to what happened because they're actually better financially. Oh, go ahead, Jeff. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, I'm aware. I'm not going to mention any names, but there was an organization – you know, up this direction that, you know, I'm not going to say they were one of the top organizations around, but I think they were, you know, a good organization. They started out, you know, doing good things. And I think somebody, you know, pretty reliable sources, that one of the people that was kind of running that organization, he he did some pretty shady things. And, you know, he ended up, you know, eventually leaving the organization and, and, and that, that organization was advertising for players and they were having to defend themselves, even though it was completely different people and everything in charge. Now they were having to defend themselves, you know, from people saying, Hey, I'm not going to ever about all kinds of people getting ripped off there. And I'm not going to go there. And I, I'm not sure that organization survived. I'm thinking that they, that they did not. And they, 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 did, I, they didn't survive. Yeah. Okay. You know which one I'm talking about, I think. So yeah, um, yeah because, yeah, because uh, the one of the the people in the organization got a hold of me and explained to me what was going on and why I wanted to know what I could do to maybe possibly help them or and stuff. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah. So I think I remember that you told me about that. Yeah, so you yeah. know they were just running into all, you know all kinds of, and, and that's what my point is. You know, even though you know this youth organization here locally was able to be in better financial position after everything was done, the fact that they were tainted with an embezzlement of funds, and it wasn't even that much. It was $8,000, right? That was mm-hmm. enough that their organization has went downhill every since, and it never has never gone back to where, because before they'd have like 15, 17 boy teams, you know, 10 or 12 girl teams. They don't even have a girls team. They barely got boys left. So, just the fact that it gets tainted. So, you know, Jeff, the thing I was going to ask you, so me personally, let's say like, um, uh, let's say like I was starting a youth league organization or I took over one that was in trouble, okay? Mm-hmm. The first thing I got to do is I, I got to figure out how to make things right. So the last thing I want to do is get our name tainted. I mean, so you're really going to have to do some damage control there. I, I, I think... I think, and I, I'm, gonna, I'm not going out too far, Lim. I think if you go and look at a lot of organizations that's ever run into that type of problems, that organization never makes it through that. They almost always, mm-hmm. it, it pretty much destroys it. So if I come to you and say, hey, you know, uh, we got this under control. We found out these people embezzled this much money. What do I need to do as an organizer of a youth league? Or let's just say I have like 20 teams, a softball team. 
what I do to make sure the money's being taken care of properly, and, you know, what kind of safeguards can I put in place? I mean, number one, having someone that's going to be an accountant, maybe keeping track of our funds, would be high priority to have that done. But that's not surely, that's not enough, is it? Well, no, but, I mean, I think that's the main thing. you you got to have more than... Uh you got to have more than one person involved. Uh, there's got to be, you know, kind of a, some kind of a segregation of duties. So, um, you know, where if somebody's if somebody's writing a check, somebody else is maybe approving them, uh, or somebody else is, is at least you're getting a full accounting uh, back to uh, the organization and the, and the and the people in the organization to let them know you know, what money's been taken in, what money's been spent. So you can kind of identify that. You know, the problem is, you know, and I know you you were talking about some smaller type ones, but, you know, I, I, I read, I skimmed through some of those articles you sent me, and there were several in there that were, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars in that. And, and it's hard to imagine, you know, somebody being able to get away with something like that for a while and, and people in the organization not noticing it. But, you know, the biggest thing is, is, you know, I mean, if you if you do that for a couple of years, then people don't know any different. You know, they don't know what it really costs to run the organization. And and usually, what happens is people that are doing that kind of stuff they get greedier and greedier, and the amounts keep getting bigger and bigger. And and uh, pretty soon, it you know, eventually it will it will get noticed. But yeah, you got to have more than one person in control. Uh, you know, if you got one person that's you know coaching and and uh, um, you know, and right now the checks and taking care of everything, you're just putting them in a situation where it could happen. And, you know, I think 90, 95% of the people out there are good people and they would they would never do anything like that. But, it, again, at some point in time, they, they, they run into maybe some kind of a financial pressure or something like that and, 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 and stuff can happen. But if you've got more than one person in charge, you can, you, you, the odds are, you know, somebody's going to catch it or somebody's going to ask a question and say, hey, you know, gosh, we were going to go do, we raise this money to go on this trip or to play in this tournament and why can't we do it now? And, you know, red flags, you know, when red flags start going up, you know, there's got to be a full accounting of, of, of things. So it's not an easy job. You know, most people, are, you know, they're doing that kind of stuff or doing it on a volunteer basis and they've got full-time jobs and, and, and everything, but you've got to you've got to keep on on top of that as as much as possible. Yeah, so you know, you need like an oversight committee, or you need like a group of people. Well, I mean, possibly. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be a committee. And you know, I think in a big organization, probably so. You know, you know, you know, we've all been to and belong to organizations, and they have a you know a treasurer's report. And, you know, the person that's a treasurer is accountable back to that organization. Here's the money we took in. Here's the money we spent. Here's our bank balance. And, you know, that in itself is a is a bit of a control because if, if one of the numbers doesn't make sense, it's like, well, well wait a second. We only took in $5,000 in revenues, but we had, you know, 10 kids on the team and they it cost $1,000 each. Well, that's $10,000. Where did that money go? Or... You know, we were going to play in all these tournaments, and and now, you know, and I know that one team that we're talking about, they kept stiffing teams, um, there or they kept stiffing the tournament directors and not paying their their fees in that. So, um, 
you know, somewhere, you know, when the red flags go off, somebody's got to be paying attention and asking and asking questions. Right. I mean, the one that I actually was surprised about was, and I was really surprised that uh, in um, in it was in the New York area and uh, where it happened at, <laughs> and the woman actually um, was managed to steal uh, maybe over four hundred thousand uh, dollars from no. a uh, from a little league. I kind of thought. My gosh, that's a lot of money in a little league organization. But what she was actually doing, she would take like take money out and then put money back in. So yeah. even though she was stealing it over time, um, you know, um, they said that she had repaid about two hundred thirty thousand to four hundred thousand that she'd actually stolen. So not she just admitted that she'd done it. You give no reason why, no excuses, but I'm just like, it's hard to believe that someone could actually do that. That's that much money, uh, but you know, because of the way she was doing it, she was putting it back in, and then she get more. I yeah. mean, she she had to have another source of a lot of money because usually when somebody does that, there's no way they can put it back. I mean, so you know, I I never really have understood people like that. I, I mean, I just don't get it. Um, I, I mean, I remember this is years ago, and it's a little off topic, but it's still about, you know, uh, being dishonest that I was working with somebody that actually took something that was worth like all oh, 250 bucks, $230, okay, and lost a $70,000 year job. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm like, I mean, this is but. This is back in the seventies, Jeff. That's when seventy thousand dollars was a lot of money, right? I mean, it's just like you got to be kidding me. You would actually steal a fan, a stupid fan, and jeopardize your job. I mean, it just to me makes no sense. Now, of course, I think people like this are still in these amount of monies. They're definitely a, a more deep rooted reason for doing that. I, I just I think what happens is uh, organizations puts too much confidence into one person, or, you know, I'll be quite honest with you. I know what happens a lot of time, too. Everybody doesn't want to be bothered with all the details that goes on in the day-to-day routine stuff. So right. if somebody's showing them stuff that makes everybody smile, makes them happy, at the end of the week, they're like, oh, the numbers look good. Nobody bothers looking any deeper. They're fine. But, yeah, I, I mean, you know, so – but. I just think I just want to bring that up because of the fact that you know I've been reading more and more about it. Plus, I thought it might be interesting to talk about that. The fact that you know what what could you do is you know if you were an organization to make sure you don't run into them problems. So mm-hmm. uh, I mean, the main thing is just make sure enough people know everything that's going on. I guess is because I've always found out in like a conspiracy, the more people involved, the easier it is to find out about it. Yeah, I mean, you definitely want somebody that's kind of, you know, good with numbers, has an accounting or finance back or banking background or somebody that's, you know, that kind of knows what they're doing, too. Because I think sometimes some organizations can get themselves in trouble just because they don't they don't really know what happened. They're not keeping good records. They're, you know, um, they just, again, nobody can really explain what happened when, when in fact, there may be nothing wrong, but they just, they they don't know where they spent all their money at, you know. 
Um, right. But again, I think you know, ninety percent of the time, I, I my previous company, I, I, uh, well, not, actually, like, man, now I, my first company I worked for out of school, I, I was in, uh, I worked in the audit department there for about six years, and we actually had a, it was a big global company, and we actually had a security department, and uh, it was actually run by an ex-FBI guy. And it was it's kind of amazing to me, but you know, they had like a department of like three people and, and they spent their entire time well maybe eighty and ninety percent of their work was actually looking at employee type fraud stuff. And uh, I used to we used to be because we were in the audit department, we would occasionally get pulled into stuff to kind to kinda of help dig through the books or whatever. But then we'd also get the chance to read the reports and everything and, and they would they would end up, you know, and doing investigations and and grilling some of the people and and my God it was just you know really sad stories and um, you know again a lot of times you have people losing their job over over taking a small amount of money um, and again it not, most of the time is because they just all of a sudden they were they were good they were good people they never did anything like that before but you know they got in some kind of a money money problem and. And the controls weren't there, and and just you know got the best of them. Right. I mean, you know, I I could understand how that could happen. You know, I mean, I really could understand how someone could get themselves in that situation. Now, I actually read a story about somebody where they it was down around Oklahoma. They actually were accused of taking money from their little league organization. It turned out the treasurer was actually making it look like that was a person that was stealing the money. Do you, well, that, do you know who that person was? No. It was her husband. She was making oh, it appear geez. that her husband was stealing the money in order that if anything happened, he would cover for her. But, of course, he didn't. He, did, he didn't as soon as he found out. Uh, she come to him because they had, there was like 30000 missing out of account. She come to him and said she made a horrible mistake and told him what happened. And, and he told her, said, yeah, I agree, you did. And uh, basically he was down talking to the attorney the next day, uh, filing for a divorce. So <laughs> I, I actually thought that was kind of weird that she actually was trying to put it on her husband, I mean, that he was the one taking the money. She was writing everything in his name. So it looked like uh-huh. it was all him doing so. But anyway, well, well yeah, yeah, you know, um, just everybody make sure that you know you if you have an organization, you got money in it. Make sure you keep your eyes on it somehow. And uh, you might actually want to go to the bank once in a while and just check, make sure the money's really there because you you might might wake up someday and find out it's not. But yeah, anyway, you know, it's another thing is to have you know have a couple of people on the bank account and and uh, and not not a husband and wife either, but you know two different people. And it just that's what you always said is like you can't. You know, ninety um, percent of the problems are because one person's doing too much, and if you've got two people involved, I mean, the, the that's a control. The temptation isn't there. A person might be worried they're going to get caught, and and they could and they could get caught if they're both doing their job. So, um, you know, there's there's a lot of teams out there that are kind of on their own, and the coach has to do everything, and. Um, you know that's that's always an issue. One of the organizations I coached at, they actually they handled the coach had to do nothing with finances. So they had a central organization that took care of all that, and um, you know, and they were they were accountable back to the organization for everything. But uh, that was that was nice for the coach 
didn't didn't have that worry. You can just focus on really coaching coaching the team. Yeah, I, I think that actually I think that is a good idea. I don't know how these bigger organizations work, and that would actually be something to be nice to talk about sometime about how they're structured as far as uh, you know that their coaches and what coaches do, what coaches don't do. Um, I, I, I can only speak for what I know that I've done in the past, and, you know, I would either – I just kind of did it all myself, but when me and Rick Sherman worked together, um, I actually basically handled all the uh, motel reservations, getting all our traveling down, uh, uh, making sure I was there Friday when he couldn't be the coach, and, and he making sure he was there vice versa when, you know – I couldn't be mm-hmm. there and, and stuff like that. So, uh, and um, basically, uh, the, I've always done it where we always raise the money through the girls and then let them keep a big percentage of it for themselves. But really, tournament mm-hmm. fees back when I was playing weren't the same price they are now. I mean, it's a completely different game now, what you're talking, I mean, in tournament fees. So, I mean, it's not even close to the same fees, but anyway. Well, that's a pretty good discussion about that, and I, and I hope some of our listeners might have got, got something from it or walked away with something from that. And um, like I said, you know, keep an eye on everything, tighten down the ships. I mean, it just you just don't ever know when somebody might be doing something wrong. And almost every story I read about Jeff, by the way, most of them, no one could believe they would have done it. Right, yep, yep. They These never could people. understand. Yeah, yeah, you can never believe they did it, yeah. So, but anyway, well, you know, everybody, um, it's time to grab your bags, get your bags packed, get them gloves picked up and off the field, get your bats picked up and get ready to leave because this show is over. Everybody have a good week until next Tuesday night. Say goodbye. Have a good night. Good night, everyone. Until next week, this is the Softball Zone Radio Show.
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.